you have a Bible, uh, open up with me to Galatians chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3. We're going to be looking at verses 1 through 9 this morning. And once you have uh, your Bibles open there, why don't you go ahead and stand with me out of reverence for the reading of the words of our God. Paul writes under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit in such a way that as the words on this page are being read, God himself is speaking to us. Beginning in verse 1, O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Let, Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish? Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Just as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. Know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, In you shall all the nations be blessed. So then those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. Let's pray together. O Lord our God, we thank you for this opportunity we have to gather together and to hear your word. And Father, we pray that you would bless your word as it's preached so that the gospel may go forth and change hearts and lives. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Well, it's October, and in October that means we're all being inundated with spooky stuff. Everywhere you go, spooky stuff. In fact, um... Not just spooky stuff. Yesterday I saw some Christmas stuff, but that's, that's another sermon altogether. Spooky stuff everywhere. Everywhere you turn, there are spooks and haints and God witches on TV and stores all around us. And listen, I'll be the first to say good Christians, I think, wrestle with how to respond exactly the right way to Halloween. And as one commentator once called it, dark-slotted stuff, you know, gargoyles and that kind of thing. So good Christians wrestle with this. Uh, in fact, years ago, I was involved, before I moved to Gaza, I was involved with the fall festival. And at this church, they had really talked a lot about, now listen, some people may come with some costumes that we're not really crazy about. And we're just going to love them, love them right where they are, et cetera, et cetera. So there I was standing, and I saw the first carload of people pull up at the fall festival. And out of it poured all sorts of haints and spooks and goblins and witches, all sorts of stuff came out of the car. And behind me, a precious lady, but nonetheless, behind me, she, I heard her voice and all I heard was, oh no, I was hoping we wouldn't have any of that. We wrestle with those things and there may be even some of you in this room who have a difficult time with a good conscience in participating in any sort of those things. But nonetheless, I want you to think about what Paul is saying here to these Judaizing, legalizing Galatians. These are people at least, and I don't say these are the only people, but these are the people at least 
who certainly would not be doing Halloween if they were alive today. Right? If they did, you know, they might do something like fall celebration and they might let their kids dress up, but certainly not as anything scary. These are people who are trying to get as far away from dark slided things as they can, as distant as they possibly can from things like that. And so just imagine a family at a church fall festival pure as the driven snow, doing all they can to make sure their family is pure. This is commendable. Don't hear me mocking this, but it's, it's just, think, put this in your mind. One child's dressed as Queen Esther. Another's dressed as the preacher. And they're standing there, and they're judging the kids in the Harry Potter costumes across the way. All right, so get them, get them in your mind, all right, everybody? I've, by the way, if you're the kids in the Harry Potter costumes, I've read the books, okay, so don't, don't panic okay if you hate harry potter costumes i'm sorry here they are they're judging the kids in the harry potter costumes across the way and someone comes up to them and says looks at them square in the face and says what sort of occult magic have you people gotten involved in what sort of occult magic what sort of ouija board devilish magic have you people gotten involved in Imagine how those folks would feel. Imagine how shocked they would be. They're, I would imagine their jaws would hit the pavement. That precious saint behind me who, who was disturbed by children dressed as witches, imagine how she might feel if someone came to her and said, what kind of occult magic is it you've gotten involved in? Oh, foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Another way to translate this would be, my dear idiot Galatians, literally. My dear idiot Galatians, what pagan witch has put a spell on you? That's how we understand this. Imagine how those who are legalistic and those who are trying to make righteousness happen by the law. It's not to say that everyone who disagrees on Halloween is necessarily a legalist. I don't mean that, but... I want you to feel the weight of what Paul might be saying to these folks. What sort of occult magic is it that you've gotten involved in? I think this might have the same sort of shock value as those at the fall festival might have experienced. Bewitched? Us? We're not the ones involved in this sort of thing. It's those other people that are involved in that sort of thing. It's other people who are dabbling in worldliness. It's other people who are doing this, not us. I want you to feel the weight of what Paul is saying to the Galatians, and I want you to feel how downright insulting it would have felt to those whom Paul is speaking to most directly. Today, why don't we turn our attention? I've noticed as we do this deep dive into Galatians, I've noticed the way that these verses, this book, is impacting so many of your hearts. And I described Galatians earlier like this. It feels like, as you read the book of Galatians, that you're suspended in thin air. Because you're, you're recognizing and realizing and learning afresh, like I am as I read through and preach through this text, that my works are not what save me and that I cannot... I cannot even grow 
in grace. I can't become more like Jesus according to the law. It has to be done by grace through faith. And so if you're like me and you reactively want to go back to the law despite having been saved by grace, you may feel right now like you're sort of floating in thin air. Like you don't have anything to grab onto because you're so used to going to the law to try to be holy. And now you're having a fresh experience of God's grace as you read this book. Man, maybe you're struggling a little bit. You might be. And we certainly don't want you to go the the opposite direction and just feel like holiness doesn't matter. So how is it as Christians that we can steer clear of works-based righteousness and other false teaching. Tomorrow, when you feel tempted towards sin, how is it that you can go to hearing with faith instead of going to the law? How is it then that you can come back when you find yourself straying from grace and faith? How can you come back to hearing with faith when you're tempted to go somewhere else? Three truths rooted in this text I think will help us here. Today. Here's the first. Remember what you have seen. When you feel tempted to leave grace and go, go back to justifying yourself by works or, or, or by becoming righteous by works and not by faith. What do you do? Where do you go? The first thing is this. Remember what you have seen. Oh, foolish Galatians, my dear and precious idiot Galatians. Who has bewitched you? Who put a spell on you? What a double whammy of insult this would be to any of us. To be called a fool is a serious thing. To be called foolish is a serious thing. And Paul very rarely uses this this, um, tense of language where he steps back from his overarching argument and directly addresses the group. And here he does it. And this is the only time in the New Testament that I'm aware of that he combines it with this very emotional word, oh. As we read it, as we hear it, I want you to feel how drenched with emotion Paul is here. Oh, oh, foolish Galatians. Have you ever been around when someone got terrible news? I have. And seen the way they react? That's the sort of emotion Paul's conveying here. It's nearly unprecedented in Paul to talk to people this way. Now, he does call them brothers and sisters. Don't think for a moment that Paul's lost love for them, but he's trying to shock them back to reality because they're going down a path that ends in a very bad place. Who has bewitched you? I've already alluded to this. Who's put you? What pagan witch? What which has put you under a spell. You've got to understand, if you grew up and lived in Galatia, you grew up in a world that is far further from Jesus than the one we live in. And we wring our hands every day about the world we live in. We, 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 we get nervous all the time that our children are sort of being given over to a sort of heathenism out there in the future. Well, we call it heathenism and we call it paganism because of places like Galatia. That's exactly where it comes from. These are people who are actual dyed-in-the-wool heathen, and they were saved out of that. All sorts of dark and black magic practices are, are prevalent here in this world that they lived in. And so for Paul then to talk to people who have been caught up in a sort of false righteousness that's rooted in the law and then to criticize them by essentially saying this is the equivalent of going back to your pagan roots is a devastating critique 
It had to hurt. What's made Paul so forceful and emotional? Why has this triggered Paul in such a way that he's speaking to the Galatians this way? Notice what he says. Oh, foolish Galatians, who has put a spell on you? Who has bewitched you? Notice what he says next. It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. What a strange verse. They weren't there. These Galatians couldn't have been there when Jesus was crucified. Right? It's, it's, there's no evidence that that's the case. Paul wasn't even there, right? When Jesus was crucified. Paul wasn't there to witness the sufferings of the Lord. Some of the apostles were there. Most of them fled. But it's an interesting thing for Paul to say to people who were miles and miles and miles away from Jerusalem and who were not even Christians, when, obviously, when Jesus was crucified. And yet here he's saying, it was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. What does he mean? I think simply put, it's this, that when the gospel is faithfully preached, when, when you hear the gospel of Jesus Christ preached, when the Lord Jesus Himself is declared in His Word here Sunday by Sunday, and the gospel of Jesus Christ is declared, it is as if you yourself are an eyewitness to His crucifixion. That is part of the mystery of how gospel proclamation works. It's one of the reasons why I am so dedicated to preaching this Bible and not something else. Because I believe if this Bible is preached, and I believe that every jot and tittle of this Bible is a witness to the sufferings and the glories of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so when this Bible is preached, I believe something spiritual is happening in such a way that as you behold the Word of God, as you receive the Word of God, it's as if you are seeing Jesus Himself crucified on the cross. There's a reality to what's happening. There's a, a, a mysticism, if you will, to what's happening as the Word is preached. The Holy Spirit is showing you Jesus. Do you know what a blessing it is to hear the Gospel preached? It has nothing to do with who's preaching it. You know that already. But what's being preached? The gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. You hear it every week. And some of you, as the text alluded to that Lydia read earlier, some of you may feel like Thomas and say, I wish I could see him. I wish I could put my hands in his wounds. But do you not see the fact that what you've been given is so wonderful? The very word of God preached. The gospel preached. As you hear the gospel, as you respond in faith, you are a witness to the sufferings of Christ. Now when you think about it like that, would it not be so foolish? Would it not be so foolish? Would it not be just maddening to the point that it would seem like something had possessed us as Christians? That something weird was going on that we really can't explain for us to put anything between you, for you to put anything between you and beholding your Lord. And that's what works does. 
It was before your eyes that Jesus was publicly portrayed as crucified. The honest and pure and simple preaching of the gospel gives you a vision of what Jesus did. And when we add anything to that, my friends, it shades, it diminishes. In fact, at times it can completely block your vision of your Savior, your vision of your Lord. Remember, my friends, remember what you have seen. When you feel tempted to go somewhere else, remember what you've seen. You've seen Jesus crucified and raised from the dead. Why would you want something else? Remember what you've seen. But second of all, not only that, remember what you have experienced. Remember what you have experienced. Do you feel the setup that Paul's done here? He set us up. Set the Galatians up. There's a setup. Oh, foolish Galatians, I'm offended. Who has bewitched you? I'm hurt. It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. What Christian can think about Jesus on the cross and not begin to soften? It's three blows in a row that, that hurt, but they hurt in order that we might be healed. From that setup, Paul then begins to just simply machine gun in just a n- number of verses, almost a question of verse. These rhetorical questions back to the Galatians. Listen, listen to the word. He- hear, what, hear what Paul says. Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish, having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh that's two questions there here's the third did you suffer so many things in vain if indeed it was in vain here's another does he who supplies the spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith but paul now is trying to get the galatians to evaluate their experience thus far with the gospel of the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he's trying to get them to evaluate it, to see the lunacy of going to anyone but Jesus by grace through faith for justification or even for sanctification, for becoming more like Jesus. How do you receive the Spirit, Paul? eh? How, How do you receive the Spirit? You know the answer. Did you receive it? By works of the law or by hearing with faith? They know the answer. They believed, they heard, and the Spirit came to Galatia. And you know that truth in your own heart and life. You heard and you believed and you received the Holy Spirit. It may have been quiet. It may have taken time for you to know that He was there. But sure enough, you can look back on your life and see the way that all the major spiritual breakthroughs in your life have happened by the Holy Spirit. By hearing with faith. That's how God works. What works for sanctification? The Spirit or the flesh? Well, let me ask you that question today. What works for sanctification? How do you become more like Jesus? Is it by the power of the Holy Spirit? Or is it by digging deeper into your flesh? I know my flesh. Do you know yours? There's not a lot of holiness there. There's not a lot of power for holiness there. When I do premarital counseling with folks, I talk about this old cartoon I saw one time. There's a leak in a dam, and Goofy, the cartoon character, tries to plug the leak. So he sticks a finger in it. I bet you've seen it, haven't you? 
I bet if you haven't, I bet you're smart enough to figure Looney Tunes, I mean to figure cartoons out. Disney cartoons. Another one comes out, right? Pressure creates another one. So Goofy puts another finger in. All right, next thing you know, Goofy's got ten fingers and ten toes stuck in the dam and the water squirting him in the face. That's what happens when you try to manage sin with the flesh. When you try to become like Jesus by your own power, there's not enough power there. You don't have enough fingers and enough toes. You don't have enough in you to make the sin stop. The Galatians had suffered for their faith. Paul asks, was that suffering in vain? Are you so foolish? Paul asks. He wants to know, do you not see this? Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by faith? Did you suffer in vain? Does he who supplies the Spirit to you, verse 5, and works miracles among you, do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith? How is it that the Spirit works? Is it, is it when we've seen miracles happen? I believe I've witnessed miracles at different times. It wasn't because I had the holiest week of my life. It was because God, by the Holy Spirit, chose to act and work. Sometimes, despite my lack of faith, God worked in that way. Have you heard the definition of insanity before? It's doing the same thing over and over, but expecting different results. You guys familiar with this definition of insanity? Here's the definition of, definition of Galatian foolishness. After getting gospel results by hearing with faith over and over, you revert to works and expect better results. You catch that? Insanity is doing the same thing over and over, but expecting different results. Galatian foolishness is this. After getting gospel results by hearing with faith over and over and over again, you revert to works and expect better results. In other words, what we think is, if by grace God's given me this work, this good of a gift, if by grace God's given me this amazing result, imagine what he'll do when I add my own works into the mix. Now, don't mishear me. God cares about holiness. And God tends to use holy vessels for his work. But that's only holiness, I believe, that comes by grace through faith. From hearing with faith. Don't be so foolish. Don't, don't be so foolish and think that you need to add something to hearing with faith. Do you remember that day you met Jesus? Do you remember that day? Some of you may have wrestled with the Lord for years. I did. So some of you may not remember a day when you didn't believe and trust in Jesus. And over time it became clear to you you knew the Lord. But surely you know enough to know. And you remember enough to know that it wasn't something you did. It brought you to know the Lord. It, it probably wasn't even on the best day of your life that you came to know the Lord. You remember what happened, don't you? You heard, right? You heard. And it might not have been in here. It might not have been at youth group. It might not have been a sermon. It might not have been Alistair Begg on the radio. It might have been, though. It might have just been the word of the gospel simply stated to you from your mom or your dad or your grandmother or a friend. It, it might have been a Bible on your bedside. You might have just heard a verse one day and you couldn't get it off your mind. But you heard 
and you believed, right? You heard and you believed. When we baptize a young child here at the First Baptist Church, we don't expect them to be able to articulate every aspect of soteriology from Wayne Grudem's theology. And if you're baptized here, we don't expect you to be able to give a definition of any of the words in that sentence. I was expecting more amens from that, but that's okay. I, guys are sharp. I should have known. Well trained. No. We need you to have heard, heard the gospel, and believed the gospel. Hearing with faith. You know what happens? This is the beginning of all our religion, and we never graduate beyond it. Beyond it. This is the means by which your Lord forms you into His image. Don't forget what you have experienced. Go back to who you were before and who you are now and remember how it happened. You heard and you believed. What you've seen matters. Your experience matters. But finally, I want you to remember what you've read. Perhaps people in Galatia could have said something like, sure, Paul's given us all this fancy theology and he's pointing to all this new covenant stuff, but the people we're talking to are talking to us about the Old Testament, about what God said thousands of years ago when our ancestors were in darkness, when our ancestors were still worshiping demons, when we were still doing foolish deeds and dark and wicked deeds. These people were following God for a really long time. I I hear what you're saying about Jesus, and I believe what you're saying about the Spirit, but we're walking old paths with God. Well, Paul says, perhaps you don't believe me, and perhaps you don't believe the Holy Spirit. Then what about Abraham? What he's saying is this, even faithful Jews, Jews who were believers in the Old Testament by faith, There was a difference. There were plenty of Israelites and physical descendants of Abraham who perished in the wilderness because they didn't follow the Lord. But those who followed the Lord followed him by faith. It's exactly the point that Abraham, I mean, that Paul is making here about Abraham. Notice what he says. Notice how he connects this. Was it by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Just as, verse 6, Abraham believed God. And it was credited to him or counted to him as righteousness. Know then, he says, that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, In you shall all the nations be blessed. So then those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. You see this? There was no law in the way we know it when Abraham was justified. He was justified by faith. And Moses goes to great lengths, as I've argued when I've preached through Genesis here. Moses goes to great lengths to demonstrate the way that the faithful obedience of Abraham over and over and over again foreshadowed the law which God would then later give through Moses. Over and over again we see in the Old Testament the way that that it's being demonstrated that Abraham, by grace, by the grace of God, he called him out of Ur of the Chaldeans. It was not because of anything he had done. It wasn't because he was the best guy in the world. In fact, you see example after example in the book of Genesis of the fact that Abraham wasn't the best guy in the world. 
But over and over and over again, Moses shows us in the book of Genesis the way that Abraham is being faithful unto God and foreshadowing the law that would later be given by faith walking with the Lord according to his promises. Abraham was justified by faith, not by keeping the law. And those who are descended from Abraham are descended by faith. Anyone who inherited the promises of Abraham had to inherit them by faith over and over and over again. You see this demonstrated in the Old Testament. If you want to walk in the covenant, you need to walk in righteousness by faith. And our faith in Christ, in verse 8, is taught in the Old Testament that we would believe the gospel by faith. Over and over again, Paul's saying, if you don't believe what you've seen, if you don't believe what you've experienced, believe what you read. Oh, my friends, go to this book. Go to this book, The Wellspring of Life. Go to this book. If you want to be blessed like Abraham, learn from this book that it's only by faith in Jesus. If you want to remember to go back to grace, go to The Wellspring of grace, go to this book. My friends, I hope it's clear to you how foolish it is, how utterly and completely foolish it is to try to earn God's favor. Why would you try to earn something that's yours already? Through Christ, by grace. Through faith. Do you not see how foolish it is? How how, how it doesn't make sense unless there's something else at work besides the gospel. Probably even something nefarious at work besides the gospel to be so foolish as to try to add works to faith. That's not, mind you, to do good works born out of faith. That's to try to add works to faith. This is part of what I mean about how sometimes we feel suspended in air. During this time, as you're wrestling with and being challenged by what it means to live out good works by grace through faith. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about how foolish it is to try to add works to faith, to think you'll become righteousness, righteous by works of the law. I ask you this question today. Have you been bewitched? Have you been spellbound by the world? by your own flesh, maybe by the devil himself, into thinking that you need to earn your salvation, into thinking that the holiness that God requires of you is found in the law? Have you been spellbound and bewitched into the foolishness of thinking it's a good thing to add the commandments of man, whether they be someone else's or your own, to the righteous requirements of God? Oh, surely. Oh, surely you're not so foolish as to do that. And yet, every day I found myself, find myself drawn in that direction. I, I feel myself trying to turn back to works. And so every day I have to look to the mighty acts of God, in particular what He did in the cross, And in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, I have to remember what I've seen through the preaching of the gospel. I have to remember the work of the Spirit in your lives and in my own and what 
by hearing with faith. God's done by His Spirit. I have to remember what the Word of God says so clearly. I have to have these things to be free from this foolish, bewitching spell. How do we do it? Well, you've heard. Now believe. I want to offer an invitation this morning. If you've only heard but never believed, I believe Jesus will save you today. If you'll turn from your sins in repentance, and I believe turn to God from faith in faith, I think you will be saved. Second of all, you may be a believer and you may say, Pastor, I've been trying anything and everything, but hearing what God says and believing it and letting that transform my life. I'd love to pray with you and talk with you today or this altar's open for you just to pray if you'd like to do that. And finally, you may be looking for a church home. It would be my joy today to talk to you about what it looks like to be a member here at First Baptist Church. After this prayer, I want to invite you to come. Let's pray together.